Happy Wednesday to all you guys and gals out there tuning into the EP podcast. Thank you for giving me your ears, your attention, your love, your spirits. I love it. I am really enjoying doing this every day, and it's uh, so good to see people tuning in and, and downloading and listening and sharing. Got over uh, 100 likes on our Facebook page just last night alone. Would love to see that continue to grow, and this uh, this little uh, little podcast I'm doing, it's uh, it's fun. So thank you for letting me have some fun and uh, for being interested. I appreciate it. I love you, and I thank you so much. It is an acoustic Wednesday edition of the EP podcast. That just it's just because I like music. And I really, really like acoustic versions of songs. And so every Wednesday, I'm going to share a little bit of that side of me with you. And hopefully you glean something from that and and enjoy it. Uh, We do have some uh, messages from Donovan Mitchell on the show today, who did a 25-plus minute sit-down with uh, Adrian Wojnarowski. It was uh, answering questions from Boys and Girls Clubs participants in the Connecticut area. That was really cool. We'll get some of his answers here on the show today. Anthony Fauci talking about sports again this time. Not as uh, optimistic or hopeful as he was last time around. We'll talk about that. And a college football coach who is spending his quarantine downtime doing something he's always wanted to do. And he thinks he might have a shot to be one of the best in the world at it. We'll talk about that and so much more. But let's start with the Donovan Mitchell stuff from Adrian Wojnarowski. Like I mentioned, Donovan sat down for a 25-minute Q&A with uh, Adrian Wojnarowski. And the majority of the questions were written by and and, uh, sent in uh, from... Boys and Girls Club participants in the greater Connecticut area, and Donovan Mitchell himself spent time as a youth going to the Boys and Girls Club in uh, Greenwich. I have spent some time at the Boys and Girls Clubs here in Salt Lake. I spent some time at a Boys and Girls Club in Southern California a few years back, uh, well, a lot of years back, and, and I'll tell you, it is such an important program. It is so cool that these kids of all walks of life, uh, all statuses, all, all classes, you know, they can be lower class, middle class, upper class, doesn't matter. Everyone's welcome at the Boys and Girls Club to have somewhere to go, to spend their time, and not just to spend time, but to spend meaningful time with so, with social interaction and physical exertion and, uh, you know, education. It's such an incredible, incredible program, and I'm glad that uh, Donovan spent some time with Adrian Wojnarowski bringing light to that and talking about it. And if you have the need or the itch to volunteer, that's the one place I would always uh, recommend to go check out and to see what opportunities are there for you. All right, so let's talk. Let's uh, hear from Donovan and some of the questions that I think pertain or would be of interest to hear or for our listeners to hear here on the podcast. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, first of all, I'm not going to play his answer, but some th- uh, a kid named Theo asked Donovan, hey, since you had coronavirus, have you considered donating your plasma for the studies that have been done? And he mentioned Marcus Smart, Doris Burke, and others that have, in fact, done that. And he's yet to do it, but he said he's continuing to look into it and plans on, hope- he hopes to do it soon. And I think that's so great. I think that uh, especially... Uh, at this time, it's so important for us to get more answers about this thing so that we can then know how to attack it and, and, uh, live with it. Some, I hear some people say eradicate it or remove it from our uh, midst or, or, uh, kill it. And I don't think that's going to be likely. I think this is always going to be around. Now it's our time to figure out how to live with it. 
We've figured out how to live with the flu. We've figured out how to live with a lot of different diseases. This is no different. We're going to have to find a way to live with this in our, uh, in our societies. And uh, donating your plasma, if you've had the coronavirus, I think is a great selfless act and a good thing to do. Okay, but the first basketball question that we're going to hear, or answer we're going to hear from Donovan Mitchell here. A kid named Donovan actually asked Donovan to describe his pregame ritual and what it's like. I think it's interesting for our jazz fans that are tuned into the podcast to hear what Donovan goes through for his pregame ritual. Ooh, it's pretty pretty long, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you wake up, you know, take a nap, uh, have to shoot around, wake up, um, go to the gym, uh, drive to the arena. I mean, um, get in there, watch film for about 25 minutes, get some table work in as far as like massage and stuff like that, whatever is needed at the time. Um, eat around like 5.30, hour and 30 minutes, 90 minutes on the clock. Yeah, hour and 30 minutes, 5.30. And then after that, get ready to do some core activation. And you go on the court, shoot pregame, get your shots in. Um, probably about four or five makes a shot, a spot, uh, different instances that I'll see in the game that changes from team to, from game to game. And then come back in and um, get ready for the game. Pretty extensive pregame ritual. Every every NBA player has their own little thing. Most of them make sure they get a nap from the the, the, uh, the same length of time for a nap every day before they head to the arena. I was just reading online today that former Jazzman Derek Favors, he has a two-hour nap, nothing shorter, nothing longer, a two-hour nap in the afternoon before he plays a game. So that's part of his ritual. I thought it was also interesting to note that Donovan changes up where he shoots the ball on the floor before each game. Uh, he didn't say it as in such words, but I would assume that's because the scouting report for that game that night says Donovan's more likely to get shots in this, that, and there, uh, in those areas, rather, in area A, B, and C on the court, whereas tomorrow night against a different team, it might be areas D, F, and G. You never know. So, All right, so there, there you go, pregame ritual from Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he was also asked about uh, the stresses of being an NBA player that – most people don't know about and uh, he's absolutely right in his answer it's he, he uses a term always on and uh, here's what he had to say about that i'll give you the best example for kids um for kids and everyone so you know how you guys like tweet whatever you want and instagram whatever you want uh or however you feel that day uh we can't do that we're always on you know there's always you have to always act as if there's a camera your conversation is being recorded at the end of the day, like, you know, there's no privacy. You know, I think that's one thing. There's always going to be something or someone trying to find something new um, or whatever it may be. That's a big piece of your privacy. And, you know, it's it's the, the bigger you are, the less privacy you have. And that comes with the ter- territory, you know, and it's nothing I'm going to say or complain about because I love my job. I love what I do. There are times where, you know, you have a bad game, you just want to be left alone. But I got woes asking me why I went 422 from the field. <laughs> You know, but like it's 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 part of your job, and that sometimes, sometimes that's just what you have to do. I'm not going to act here and say like it's bad. I love it, and I love what I do. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this since I got into the business. Uh, when you're when you're out of, when you're growing up and looking at the the stars of the NBA or the sports world or the political world or whatever your interests are, you see the the Hollywood, especially you see the fame, you see the fortune, and you think, man, I want that. Uh, I'll tell you what, fame. A, is fleeting. B, uh, is, especially in this day and age of social media, is rarely a good thing. And C, privacy is so undervalued and underappreciated. So I get where Donovan's coming from there. 
I get with the the idea of yeah, he loves being a professional basketball player, loves the fame, the fortune that comes with that, loves the ability to play basketball for a living, and what comes with that is uh, a lot more fame and a lot more uh, eyeballs and a lot more microscopes on you, and you've got to, as he said, always be on. I'm sure that's why it's so much fun. I'm sure that's why they enjoy the off seasons. They can just unplug, disappear from the spotlight, go back home, go to some beach somewhere that, where they're anonymous and just enjoy being a person again. And I think that's undervalued. I think a lot of us uh, can relate to that as we've been quarantined or, or whatever uh, during this social distancing time of coronavirus to just be able to go out and be a normal person again, man, that's going to be a good day. That is going to be a good feeling. And I'm not saying I wouldn't accept to always be on in return for the millions of dollars that Donovan Mitchell and other NBA players make, but I am saying I understand where he's coming from on the undervalued uh, idea of being able to be anonymous and just have a private moment and to just go be yourself and, and relax and breathe and not feel like there's always a camera on you. I'm sure that's a big deal. All right, uh, then there's this from Donovan for our, uh, not just our younger listeners, but I think it applies to everybody. Someone asked him how he would deal with a bully or what his advice is to those who are dealing with bullies. And here's what he had to say. The first thing I would say, you know, people who bully are insecure with themselves or there's something going on around them, you know. So a lot of times people feel, oh, they're bullying me. And the first thing I tell the kid is it's the complete opposite. Um, there's nothing wrong with you. There's something was wrong with the person, you know, and it may not be them. Maybe, maybe their parents are getting into a fight at the house that they, they just find some way to let out. And it, it, it's you. And I think it's, it's, a, it's messed up. Don't get me wrong, but I want everyone to know whoever's listening, you know, who may have been uh, a victim of bullying is that it's not you let somebody know, don't hold it in and think there's something that you have to hide or you're going to get into trouble because at the end of the day, you know, it's not you. And I want everybody to know that that's, that's my biggest message and being able to speak and come forward and not to be afraid. At the end of the day, they're insecure within themselves and don't look at it as, as an internal thing. It's in, it's again, it's, it's them and being able to go out there and seek help, I think is huge. That's incredible advice from Donovan Mitchell. And uh, I, I like what my friend Paul Nelson told me he was in the show guys and dolls with me up at Hope Box theater back in February and he has done extensive research, and is this, this is part of his – he's written a book about it, in fact, about bullying. And essentially the idea is to uh, let the bully know it's not their fault, that you want to be their friend, that you'll help them, uh, and uh, to turn it back around on them. And you don't have to do it publicly. In fact, if you did it publicly, it may not go so well. But if you take the, the bullying for a moment, find a private uh, moment to approach them, let them know, hey, I don't appreciate this. Uh, it really hurts my feelings, and I'd like to be a, a help to you in not wanting to do these things anymore. What, what can I? How can I be a good friend to you? I think that changes things around. But number one, I really like what Donovan said. It is more than okay to go tell somebody. Absolutely. I, 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 this is what I'm going to tell my daughter when she gets to the age of having to deal with this kind of stuff. Uh, which I'm terrified of, uh, but hopefully we've got a long time before then. Uh, but I'm going to tell her, look, it is totally, totally fine and acceptable to find someone and tell them what's happening. You don't have to uh, endure that, that abuse. You don't have to just take it. You have to uh, have the guts to do something scarier than even taking a bully's uh, antics, and that is to go tell 
someone what is going on. You don't need to tattletale through a blowhorn on the playground. You don't need to make a public spectacle of it. But you do need to go find someone and say, hey, this is happening, and I need your help to find a way to make sure it doesn't happen anymore. Absolutely important. All right, and then uh, finally this from uh, Donovan, sit down with Adrian Wojnarowski, a two-part answer here. First of all, uh, Woj skirting around some of the uh, the questions here, and, and there was an answer that got edited out. It appeared at least there was an answer to these this first part that got edited out of the video. Uh, about these other uh, fans wanting him to come play for their team. But Donovan asked about what it's like to play in Utah. Well, I'll I'll tell you this, Donovan. There are a lot of questions in here Mm. from Knicks fans wanting to know when you're going to come play for the Knicks. Celtic fans want to know when you're going to come play for the Celtics. So I'm just throwing that out there. But I have seen this one, Donovan, from a few different different ones. When you were a young person and learning to deal with stress and how you manage stress – and now we know there is a lot of stress, and I wonder if you might have just a couple things to keep in mind when you're trying to manage that stress, when you're trying to deal with this day in and day out with with the quarantines that we have in uh, in place in, in Connecticut mm-hmm. and obviously all over the country. Um, I'll first start off by saying, you know, that's a, that's a very good question. Everybody has that one thing, you know, they have something positive that they've had in life that, you know, they can get back to whether it's an imagination, you know, the mental thing. Like, I feel like for me, I've had, you know, I've had games, you know, it was, I've had stretches where I've played pretty, pretty poorly. You know, you get stressed out. There's always something for me, that outlet is really uh, playing the drums. You know, that's something I've done. And I've really picked up on this year that really helped me just kind of let out, you know, all the whether it's anger, frustration, whether it's talking to somebody. I know guys have have see therapists. That's that's huge. But being able to talk to them, stress for me is a little bit a little bit different because I look and I say there are families out there that I know that have way less than what I have, so there's no need to even you know even be stressed. Um, but you know I, I think being able to to sit there and just say wow like you know God is good. You know I've, I'm big on religion and, and faith and believing in God. And, you know, everything happens for a reason. But eventually it always gets there. You just got to believe. And like I said, talking to people really helps for sure. What's the atmosphere like playing for the Jazz? The environment is insane in Utah. Uh, the fans are, the fans are, um, <laughs> they're really into it. You know, I think for, for me, just being able to, I played, I played it at Louisville. And it reminds me of Louisville, how into it they are. We walk around and they love us. They they treat us like, you know, we're, we're kings. And I think it's a special feeling for, for sure. And what was this? I know you've seen it uh, firsthand, but it's something to, something to really behold uh, coming down to a game out there. Hey, Knicks fans, Celtics fans, and everyone that's not a Jazz fan, stay away. This is our guy. Donovan's our guy. He's our dude. He's going to be in Utah for 30 years. He's going to be the first 50-year-old NBA player, and he's going to be in Utah until then, and then he'll retire. And then they'll build a statue after he wins six, seven, eight, nine championships, okay? So chill. New York, go find your own player. Boston, Come on, we know what you, we we don't even want to hear about you taking a uh, interest in a Utah Jazz player. Get to stepping, will you? <laughs> uh, and then a, a follow up. Uh, the second part of the question was Donovan was also asked what his biggest fear was as a rookie, and uh, his interest his answer was interesting to me. I never told this story to anyone publicly, so this will be the first time I'll tell somebody. Yeah, we're, um, we're breaking the news here. Uh, I like Russell, it. Russell Westbrook was a um, a big uh, my one of my favorite players. And um, so, I, you know, he does that thing where he sits on the bench um, and kind of pregame 
So for me, like, I had to, like, physically, like, just see him and kind of get that, you know, Owens Russell Westbrook out my head. His Steven Adams is standing in front of him, and I, like, peek around, and Steven moves, and Russell's, like, giving me the death stare, like, right in my first game playing Russell Westbrook. He's looking right at me, like, completely. And I'm, I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, you know, like, I'm kind of stuck for a second. And that was probably the only time where I was, like, a little nervous. Like, you know, he's like, you're like, oh, like, what do I do with this guy? I've emulated his moves nonstop, and now he's just staring at you, like kind of trying to instill fear in you. And I think that was one of the moments where it was like, you know, all right, you got to get over this. Donovan also said uh, to another answer, to another question that was, what was your favorite game so far to play in the NBA? And he said game six of that series against Oklahoma City, which he's touching on there. And yeah, I think we all remember how that ended up going. 96-91, inbound to Felton, six seconds left. Felton gives it to George. George fires the three. He misses. The Jazz will advance to Houston. The Jazz have struck the thunder. Holy smokes. They did it. They did it. So there you go. Some thoughts from Donovan Mitchell uh, with Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. All right, another thing I wanted to talk about today was uh, Gary Patterson, TCU football coach, talking about uh, all this downtime he's finding himself with. And between Zoom calls with coaches and players and workouts and and plans and blah, 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 what he's been able to do is something he's always wanted to do, and that's write a country music album. Now, apparently, he's been writing music for uh, for decades, and he's got uh, 15 or 17 good songs, what he thinks are good songs. And so what he did is he... With all this extra time and all the money he makes, he hired a, an official, a, a professional songwriter. Uh, he says he's very a famous songwriter. He won't divulge who it is, at least unless the at least the interview I saw he did, he wouldn't divulge. Uh, and he, he that person thinks that there's a chance that this album could have a couple number one hits on it when the thing goes down. So kind of cool. Uh, I'm not sure that Gary Patterson has the voice. To be singing country music or any music for that matter. Well, number one, Boys is a great team. Uh, we have a lot of admiration. We understand what kind of football team we have. But hey, Bob Dylan can't sing worth a lick, and he's one of the best songwriters of all time. So maybe Gary Patterson has found a little uh, niche here. Speaking of music. It is an Acoustic Wednesday here on the EP Podcast, and with yesterday's report on the UFOs and the aliens and how that whole uh, video foundation, whatever the foundation was that originally got those videos, uh, it was owned and or funded by frontman for Blink-182, Tom DeLonge, I thought why not play a little Acoustic Blink-182 here for you today on the EP Podcast. So here is... All the small things, courtesy of BBC Radio's Unplugged series, Blink-182. One, two, three. Na 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 
stop here on a Wednesday edition of the EP podcast, Dr. Anthony Fauci. You've got to know him by now. He's been in the news uh, every day for the last few months. Uh, He is in charge of the infectious disease arm or or whatever it's called for the United States epidemic and pandemic squad. Uh, And uh, he last, we told you a few uh, episodes ago here on the podcast about his response to the idea of playing Sports in bubble cities, bubble stadiums, uh, bubble areas where the players can be tested constantly and and watched over and kept in isolation. And he seemed like that would be a a feasible idea. Well, now, fast fast forward a couple weeks, he's not sounding so optimistic or gung-ho about that as he was Back in that interview, he said, quote, safety for the players and for the fans trumps everything. If you can't guarantee safety, then unfortunately, you're going to have to bite the bullet and say we may have to go without this sport for this season. He continued, I would love to be able to have all sports back. But as a health official and a physician and scientist, I have to say right now, when you look at the country, we're not ready for that yet. Uh, He also uh, responded to. Uh, the idea, the creative ideas that are being thrown around, especially by Major League Baseball. And he said, you've got to be really creative. That's going to be more difficult and more pro- problematic. But you know there have been some suggestions that if you want to have a situation where players are going to have to come into contact, like basketball, there are certain things you can do. It may not work. I'm not saying this is the way to go. But you want to at least consider having players, if they're going to play, play in front of a TV camera without people in the audience. And then test all the players and make sure they're negative and keep them in a place where they don't have contact with anybody on the outside who you don't know whether they're positive or negative. That's going to be logistically difficult, but there's at least the possibility of doing that. In other words, we said that for baseball. Get the players in Major League Baseball, get a couple of cities and a couple of hotels, get them tested and keep them segregated. I know it's going to be difficult for them not to be out in society, but that may be the price you pay if you want to play ball close quote. Fauci also mentioned that the the, the reason 
that uh, he doesn't see this happening immediately is that the key factor is whether or not sports leagues can return to action is how quickly the U.S. can gain broad access to tests with quick enough results. And until the day comes where there are enough tests out there for leagues to use them without taking them out of the hands of those who need them, obviously, for purposes way more important than, than sporting events, he thinks it seems unlikely any major league's plans to hold a season is to get off the ground anytime soon. Uh, he, this is, look, this is news, but it's not news. It doesn't change anything. Uh, you still gotta, I, I'm still trying, as I said yesterday on the show, I'm trying to stay positive and look at it optimistically with hope that uh, this can come together sooner than later. It matters to me. It matters to my job. It matters to my family that I can continue this job. We need sports to come back. It's just, we absolutely do. Uh, and it would be a great indication that things are a lot better in this country and in this world in general. So uh, if you see a scientist, a doctor, give them your best socially, of co- distanced, of course. Make sure you uh, tip your cap as you pass them or whatever, uh, metaphorically speaking, and, and tell them to keep at it because we need these things done now. We need these tests with the quick results. We need them in mass production. We need them in mass availability. And we need uh, all this to, to be sooner rather than later so that we can get on with some semblance of normal life, at least how we're calling it, the new normal. So there you go. Dr. Fauci says it's still possible, though right now we're not ready for it yet. All right, that's going to do it for a Wednesday edition of the EP Podcast. Make sure you check us out on Twitter. I'm at Austin Horton on Facebook at the EP Podcast on 1280thezone.com slash EP-podcast. The Zone Sports Network app. Get in your Google Play or iTunes store. uh, And uh, it's just Zone Sports Network app. We're in the on-demand audio section under EP Podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, iHeart, uh, tune in anywhere you find your podcast. There we be. Make sure you give us a like, review us, and share us. We'd really appreciate it. I'm still taking uh, nominations to visit with me on a military Monday. Uh, and uh, so if you want to send in your non- nominations, I'm austin.horton at 1280thezone.com. I'll talk to you on a Thursday edition of the EP podcast. Until then, be good to each other. Now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> I don't believe in science. Uh, I just like, it's like I don't understand it, so it's easier not to believe in it. <laughs> it's just a, it's a quick thing. They could be making stuff up, you know? I read that they said like cockroaches are like 350 million years old, and it's like, are they or do you know? I don't know how to go figure that out. Because that's what I think you're doing. I think you know that I wouldn't even have a clue to start to figure that out or want to. So you're just throwing numbers out at me and I just go, all right. I guess that's what they told y'all in school. Pluto's not a planet. It's not been a planet for a while. That's how long I've been out of science. Uh, Because once they did that, they're like, like, you can't just jam Pluto down my throat my whole life. And then right when I get out of school, you're like, we were just kidding about Pluto. Uh, That affected me. You know, like in elementary school, I got a C because I forgot to put Pluto. And turns out I should have got above an A. That's what I should have got. I should have probably been teaching the class because I nailed it years ago. That's, I never believed in Pluto. So, said it's too far. I go, you guys will see.
Yeah. <laughs> I just went to Honduras recently. And I had like, I have no idea where Honduras was at. We did a USO tour. They have, there's troops there. That's where it's going down next. And that's what they told me. So don't, br I wouldn't say anything about it, but it's pretty low key, but it's gonna, you know, just let it happen. Uh, that's, I went there, uh, I was at the airport. I told the guy, I was like, hey, I'm going to Honduras. He was like, what city? I was like, I'm just learning right now. That's not the name of the city. So I don't know, wherever people go. I land, a guy picks us up, he's driving us to the army base. He's giving us like a rundown of everything. And he was like, look, you gotta, there's a couple things you gotta look out for. Uh, when you go to bed at night, you gotta check your bed for spiders, cause uh, they hide in there. So he's basically just like, you're not gonna sleep. And then he's like, there's a lot of snakes too. So when you walk around, just keep an eye out for snakes. And I was like, all right, that makes sense. Uh, but he goes, if you get bit by a snake, the best thing to do then is just go ahead and catch the snake and bring it with you, so then we know what snake bit you. That's what like, and I was like, there's no way. There's no way that's what you're supposed to do. I've watched Animal Planet. I've never seen someone get bit, and then it's like, they gotta be like, I gotta catch it now. Like, it's like, that's not a show on Animal Planet. It would be on Animal Planet. I was like, I'm not gonna do that, dude. I've never caught a snake in my life. And you want me to get it bit, and then I gotta get it together and catch a snake for the first time? It's like, it's not gonna go good. He's gonna keep biting me. That's all that's gonna happen. And he goes, it doesn't matter, you've already been bit. And I was like, do you even know what a snake is? It completely matters. There's a huge difference between one bite and probably 30 bites, which is what we will be at if I try to catch this snake. Who told you this, a snake? Is that who? Whose side are you on?